0: All right, welcome into the Salt City Hoops Show. My name is Andy Larson. I'm the managing editor for Salt City Hoops. Thank you for that musical introduction. That was lovely. I was hoping you were going to let it go a little longer. I'm sorry. It's okay. I, I should have. Um, anyway, we've got uh, Ben Dowsett, obviously, joining us once again. Um, thanks again to the producers for that. Uh, Salt City Hoops is the ESPN True Hoop affiliate for the Utah Jazz. And today we've got kind of a cool show going on for you guys. Basically, we've invited the community of various jazz fans bloggers people who cover the jazz from around the internet and uh we asked you know, what is your perception of the jazz's offseason thus far and in fact i've asked each of the people who are going to join us to give us a letter grade from a to f um maybe g in there for g time to uh, <laughs> of of the utah jazz's offseason so and then ben and i will give our own at the end but i i before we go into that, I just want to ha- give a quick recap of the offseason so everyone knows exactly what's happened and everyone knows exactly what they're grading on, okay? And there are actually more transactions than you think here. The great website prosportstransactions.com actually tracks all of these transactions for each team, and there are actually about 15 if you count all the different moving parts. So Really? Um, I mean, so it counts the coaching staff, for example. Okay, when, oh, okay. Uh, Ty Corbin fired... Quinn Snyder, Snyder hired um, Alex Jensen, Antonio Ling, Brad Jones, Johnny Bryant, Mike Wells, all hired as assistant coaches. Uh, Gordon Hayward gets a qualifying offer. Then the draft oh, okay. comes along. Uh, Dante Exum has picked at number five. That's a big deal. Rodney Hood at number 23. Then the Jazz trade that number twenty or 35 pick for uh, Jarnell Stokes. For the 2016 second round pick, which will be the more favorable of the Celtics and Raptors picks in that year's draft. Uh, and then we've got Brandon Rush becomes a restricted free agent and leaves to Golden State. Marvin Williams leaves to Charlotte. Richard Jefferson leaves to Dallas. Deontay Garrett is traded to the Raptors for Steve Novak of 2017 second round pick. Deep breaths. <laughs> yeah. Dante Axe and Rodney Hood are signed as first-round picks. Gordon Hayward then, this is a big move, And free agency, uh, was re-signed as a restricted free agent to a four-year maximum guaranteed contract. Uh, Trevor Booker was re-signed to a two-year contract with the first year guaranteed, second year only $250,000 guaranteed. Um, the Jazz traded John Lucas III, Malcolm Thomas, Eric Murphy for Carrick Felix, a 2015 second-round pick in cash. And then uh, just recently, the Jazz signed D-Boss, Jack Cooley, and it sounds like they're soon to sign Kevin Murphy, to training camp deals. So that's actually about, I believe, 20 transactions that's that I
1: named in all. When you break it down that way, it's more than definitely more than you initially think, right? Yeah,
0: it doesn't seem like it, right? Like It, it feels like, as a Jazz fan, there hasn't been that much going on this season, but when you yeah. take into account the coaching transactions and all the little draft pick kind of things and the, the training camp... Etc., etc., all kind of the free agents that this team has lost, all of a sudden, you know, the Jazz have turned over their roster except for those core four or five players.
1: Yeah, yeah, and, you know, I I didn't have that many written down. Like I've got like (laughs) six things written down here, but that's because you know I grouped the coaching staff into one, obviously, and I I grouped grouped the draft into one. Um, Yeah, you know I think that, and we're going to get into our grades so near the end. So I don't want to go. You don't want to spoil. uh, I don't want to spoil my own grade, but yeah, it's uh, it's not an F. I'll tell you that. All right, not
0: an F. I'm not giving the Jazz an F. The teaser for the in about a half hour on the show. Okay, cool. So we've got Laura uh, Thompson on the line. She's going to be our first guest today. Um, Laura is, of course, our writer for Salt City Hoops. is on every Tuesday. Laura, can you hear us?
2: I can. How are you guys doing?
0: Good. Okay, so you're our first person on the show. You're giving our our first grade, so there's a lot of pressure on you. If you had to <laughs> jazz, if you had to grade the Jazz's off season thus far A through F, what what grade are you going to give it and why?
2: So I would go for a B, and part of that is just we don't know exactly how some of these changes are going to turn out, but I think just the hiring of Coach Snyder, number one, is huge. Actually, for me, I guess it goes back a little bit further, just letting Corbin go, I think. The firing of Ty
0: Corbin was big.
2: Yes, yes. I think, whether you want to call it a firing or a lack of renewing the contract, um, I think that was really big. I mean, we had the worst defense in the league last year, and that was something that was supposedly the focus. and. Dennis Lindsay was especially big on that. So I think that that was really key. I really like how Quinn Snyder is preaching defense, how he's really communicative with the players. He's very intelligent. He's very articulate. I think that's going to be a really good thing moving forward.
1: Okay, now so what then, what brings you down, because just from that, that sounds excellent. What brings you down to B? What What are some areas where potentially the Jazz might have been able to do a little better in your mind?
2: So, I mean, I think the draft was excellent, but it's going to take a few years before we see how good it's going to be. I had no clue we were going to have a chance of getting Exum at five. I didn't think that was going to happen at all. But it's going to take him a few years to be able to be the sort of player we want him to be. So I think that isn't necessarily something we could have gotten an A for, just, you know, sitting at number five. But I think that was a phenomenal choice. I think what kind of docks down from an A to a B for me is that there was no great free agent signing, no great trade. We didn't get a superstar. Granted, we knew that wasn't going to be an easy possibility. But I think just the fact that we're not going to be a much better team immediately this next year is why I'd give the, the offseason a B as opposed to an A.
0: Yeah, I think that's something that makes sense. I mean, uh, I remembered uh, Dennis Lindsay at the beginning of the offseason kind of t- talked about that possibility that you know, maybe they would have – some possibility of trading for a superstar if if the contracts worked out and and et cetera et cetera and it doesn't seem like that's happened at all.
2: It it hasn't. But I do like the way he set up contracts. You know the the Booker contract is partially guaranteed for the second season. I've I've seen kind of conflicting reports. Yeah,
1: very on that. very very small portion of it guaranteed for the second season.
2: Yeah, and so the fact that he's building in a lot of flexibility with these contracts moving forward gives that up. Op- the uh, opportunity to get a superstar in the future if it's not this offseason, which it hasn't been. But I like that he's building that into the contracts that he's signing moving forward. You know, we're not getting that great signing now, but he's, you know, building that flexibility in in case if that opportunity comes up. And I think that's, that's a really good move that he's doing because clearly there aren't any great free agents left right now. I mean, most of the signings I've been hearing about the last few weeks, I'm like, who is that? I have no idea. <laughs> but I think, I think the flexibility he's building in is just is great.
0: Yeah, no, I I agree, and I think we, I wrote about this in the Trevor Booker piece that I think you could see him start to put together these unguaranteed contracts to get someone in the league if they wanted to next season. Anyway, Laura, sorry we have to free up the phone line, but thanks again for joining us. Um, you can follow Laura at Hoops Laureate on Twitter, as well as follow her writing on Salt City Hoops. Thanks again, Laura. I like Laura's
1: I like Laura's Twitter handle.
0: I know. So Spencer Hall actually came up with that because oh, did he? he's you know the most creative man in the universe. So at nine fifty five I believe we have John Oglesby calling in. I don't know if he's yet on the line. This is a little bit of fun live podcasting yeah it
1: is this is this is a good time. We're kind of going we're we gotta keep the phone line clear after not too long. yeah, I, yeah, it makes me feel like I'm on the radio
0: but i <laughs> I feel like Laura had a good point there that uh basically you know the jazz didn't make that big move that I think a, a lot of people thought was possible. So I, you can't give them an all-out A. The Jazz, you know, they're not going to be a playoff contender next season. And I think most people agree in 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 the Loaded West. And that means another season of a losing record and kind of sadness for Jazz fans, if you will.
1: Yeah, but, you know, I'm not actually 100% sure that that means necessarily you can't give them an A. I'm not saying I'm giving them an A, but... I I don't think that the fact that they didn't make a move that's going to put them as a playoff contender next year is necessarily you know preempts oh having to give them a non A grade uh, if you kind of know what I'm saying uh kind of think it was a little bit more it depends on the direction that you're looking in but i think we have john online
0: we do so next up is john oglesby he writes about the utah jazz for ksl.com sits next to me on press row and so we talk about all sorts of fun jazz topics during the games i believe he's also the new voice of university of utah baseball is that correct john
3: that is, that is true, so looking forward to doing a lot of stuff for the youths for volleyball, softball, and baseball coming up this spring, so it should be a lot of fun.
0: Cool, sounds good. Well, thanks for joining us. Tell me, if you give your jazz off-season grade A through F, what do you have them at?
3: I'm going with a strong A- minus right now, and let me let me tell you, I'm sure there's some jazz fans out there that are going, A-, why are you doing that? <laughs> I, I, I want to say, like, I don't think an A or A-plus grade exists in professional sports. I I just don't think you can make every move perfect.
0: So you're literally giving them the highest grade you can possible.
3: I I think so. I think so. Okay. And and, and I think the coaching move was the biggest move
0: that's been made
3: in the franchise, I think, in quite some time. Because with the Tyrone Corbin move, I want to say, I think the Jazz kind of took... The hand that was dealt to them at that time. And they went out and went in a whole new direction with coaching. They went with Dennis Lindsay's guy, a guy who he was comfortable with, who he had experience with. And I got to say, everything I've seen from Quinn Snyder has impressed me. I've not seen anything from him that is detracted from me, from my opinion of him whatsoever from guys I know that coached with him and recruited against him 10 years ago to guys I know that have worked with him in the last few years everything has been positive and then to see him be out in the community to see him I'll tell you what I was super impressed um, when they were all in Las Vegas to see him sitting courtside with Jerry Sloan I thought that was an extreme act of respect for Quinn Snyder so on that move alone they could have done nothing else, but I would have given them. I would have given them a B just on the Quint Snyder move. That's how important I felt that was. So I, I, I got to go with the A minus, and then the player moves. I feel like have been impressive.
0: Yeah, talk about those a little bit. So what bumps that up from a B to an A minus? You know, you're impressed with the signings, the draft picks. What is it?
3: Well, I again, I really like how Dennis Lindsay, and not just this year, but even last year, how he's been able to take what the rest of the league has given him in the draft and then make good moves from that. You know, I mean, to get Trey Burkwood, I got Trey last year. I felt that was a step up. This year, to go out and get Dante Axum at five, that was a big move. There's no doubt about that. And what I like, I mean, fans, let's be honest, fans are knee-jerk reactive. We need to trade the farm now to get so-and-so. But when you look at it, the Jazz were able to get a player they really liked in Dante Axum at a pick that they already had without giving up anything. You know, I mean, you think about that, Andy. That's, that's something to be said. I mean, there was a talk at times, well, hey, we'll move up, we'll trade away Derek Favors. we'll make all this stuff happen. But they were able to get what they wanted without giving anything up. That, to me, says a lot about how you work as an organization. Can you get what you want and gain quite a bit without giving anything you like up? To me, that was impressive. And then to be able to go out and get Rodney Hood, and I'll be honest, I liked Rodney Hood a lot at Duke. I was extremely excited when they were able to draft him. I think it's got a big move for the franchise. And I wrote a column for KSL.com a few weeks ago, which you can find, um, under the Jazz link that says Rodney Hood is going to be the better player for the Jazz this season. I firmly believe that. Of all the people they drafted, you know, I think, you know, Dante Exum and Rodney Hood, I think this year Rodney Hood is going to be the better player for the Jazz. You look at yeah. him, I think, with his shooting ability, and you and I have talked about this, Andy, with his shooting ability, he's got the ability right now to make an impact for this team. The NBA, the way it's moving today, you need guys that can stretch the floor. Rodney Hood can stretch the floor. So, again, I just, you know, looking at the Jazz, I think it's strong. I think it's a strong case to be made that they are indeed an A-minus.
0: And, you know,
3: we can go off on the whole Gordon thing as well, which I'm sure you're going to (laughs) get to. I will. I think it's it's an A-minus.
0: I know. I I like the pick. I like the call. Thanks, John. Sorry, we have to clear up the phone line for the next caller. But I appreciate you joining us. Follow John Oglesby, everybody, at the Thunder Rolls, which is one of my favorite Twitter usernames out there. Man. John, thanks again for joining us. Everybody's hey, embarrassing thanks,
1: me. Oh, sorry, I can cut John off, but everybody's embarrassing me with their Twitter handles. Mine's just my name. That's so <laughs> boring. No, I, I like I like everything that John was just saying right there. Uh, so several of those things, you know, I obviously, I maybe would put it slightly different ways in terms of some of those things, but I, I basically agree with everything there. I do think that the the coaching hire is a, is a, a pretty huge move. That of course we're talking about it. It's it's of course it's been talked about. We we talk about everything that's going on in. Jazz Nation, if you will, but I I think that that one is one of the if you can have an underrated move in a, in a summer where you know every move has been dissected really really well. I think that's probably the one. Uh, I don't know if you'd agree. Uh, I, I think the tangible value of coaching is at a level now in the NBA that that maybe we've never. Uh, Maybe it's always been at this level, but we've never recognized it being at this level, if you know what I'm saying. Like, I, I think we're, right now we're maybe at the peak of the of the recognized value of coaching in the NBA. Do I don't know. Would you agree with that? It's,
0: yeah, no, I, I think that's fair, at least long term. I mean, I, I think you couldn't always say like guys like Red Auerbach have always been truly respected and, yeah. you know, deeply seen as important for their teams. But I think the other 29 coaches in the league or you know depending on how many teams you have in your league i I think it has changed how coaches are perceived and especially how x's and o's are looked at upon the team anyway now we've got our next caller jimbo running on um on the line jimbo are you there i am here cool okay so jimbo running this is not going to be an announcement because by the time i post the this podcast, the mailbag will also be up, but Jimbo will be doing a mailbag for Salt City Hoops. I've already read through the the draft, and it's it's excellent, so I'm excited for it. Um, Jimbo, if you had to give the Jazz an A through F grade this off season, what do you give them?
4: Um, you know, I give them a C plus. Okay, and I, I'm not sure if that's a, you know generous or not you want me to give you the reasons now?
0: Yeah, so what are those reasons? Because you're lower than our first two callers.
4: Okay. Um, You know, the draft, I love the draft. I mean, Exum fell in their laps. That was great. Uh, Rodney Hood, Prince of Threes. I'm I'm liking that pick, too. But uh, the free agents, they signed this year. I'm not sure I am loving yet. Um, The two guys that uh, have the best names in the game, Derek Felix and... Debossed. Uh, I've never heard of those guys before. <laughs> uh, so, so, you know, uh, Trevor Booker, I guess that's a good thing, but where's his minutes going to come from? Because, uh, you know, we've kind of overloaded the big guy spot anyway. Um, the Hayward match deal, I'm, I'm not a staunch hater, but I'm not so sure that was the smartest thing to do. Uh, time's time's going to tell. I mean, I was, at, I was at the Hayward draft party, and I booed. I will admit it, um, but you know, looking back at the time, we needed a big, we need a big uh, center, big black guy, and we picked the 12-year-old white guy. <laughs> How so, could you boo that you know, face? I don't, I don't, I, I don't know, I don't know what we did there. It was, it was. Uh, I'm not sure it was the right thing to do with the max contract. So those are my thoughts. Uh, I'm a big fan of Raul Neto. You guys watched him the other night. Mm-hmm. He looked like. Uh, he looked like he was in control and and he he hung in there with uh supposedly our best guys in the country. So I'm not sure the Jazz made a mistake there not signing him before he or bringing him over, I guess. Yeah, they I guess they could have him
0: brought him them over but they didn't and I think that is some a part of the offseason that uh, we didn't mention. That's a good point.
4: Right. So uh you know those are my thoughts. That's that's pretty much all I got. Uh, <laughs> I do I do like Quinn Snyder. Uh I like that higher um, I wasn't again I wasn't a hater of Ty Corbin but I wasn't a lover either and and there was no progress being made and I, I'm I'm excited to see maybe some plays that don't involve just dumping the ball down low and getting out of the way yeah um, but but yeah that's that's all that's that's all I got
0: okay well Jimbo thanks for joining us Jimbo uh, your Twitter handle is if I'm correct just at Jimbo Rudding. are there any underscores in there
4: no, no. Okay. It's at Jimbo Rudding. Well, everybody, follow
0: at Jimbo Rudding for the most hilarious jazz tweets you can find, um, and he'll also be having a mailbag on Salt City Hoops from today moving forward. Thanks again, Jimbo. You bet.
4: Thanks, guys.
0: I thought he brought up a good point with the Raul Neto thing because that's you know not something either of us had mentioned even at the beginning, um, and it is something that the Jazz had a choice to bring him in as a third point guard. And you know they chose to let him go overseas uh, again, stay in Spain. But they could have brought him in as as a new player, and and chose to kind of defer it a little bit, which I think is an interesting choice.
1: Yeah, and I w- I would caution people not to not to judge necessarily too much from those minutes that we did see in the in the Brazil versus USA game last week, uh, and that we've been seeing uh, in the in the tune ups. Uh, I- they're they're very limited so we can't just necessarily say oh he you know he's 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 playing with the N with the nba guys so he's good enough to come over cause just from a few minute sample but yeah it's you know that's something that the jazz could have considered but there are there's a lot of variables that go into that sort of thing. There you never maybe we don't know behind the scenes. We don't necessarily know what's going on maybe with his with his team in Spain. We don't know if there's good there's some good player development over there where they think that he's going to benefit more from that and might be the more valuable player in the future those I, sort of things. I
0: think that's the case. I think they they think he'll get more minutes in Spain than he would here in mm-hmm. Utah. It, even though I think he, it's possible Round Netto is a better player now than Dante Exim is now, just based on how they've performed internationally thus yeah, far. Yeah. Anyway, next up on the show, we've got actually our local producer, the one who provides us with all the music, and of course, he's ready to give a great letter grade. Trevor Allen. Trevor. Hey, guys. So, what is your A through F letter grade for the Utah Jazz?
5: I'm going to go with a B. B, okay. Because I, I, I like the pickup of Steve Novak, you know, the Jazz really needs you or somebody who's able to stretch the floor for the Jazz. And you know someone who can come in off the bench and you know bring in a couple of minute, you know a few minutes when Derek Favors, you know is in foul trouble or you know canter and things like that. Someone who, who can stretch the floor. He's not going to give you really a whole lot else. But you've also got Exum, who who you know I, every, he's really raw right now. Everyone knows that. And you know the one I really like is Rodney Hood. I, I think he's going to be a great player in the, in this league. I think he's in, in in the right system. I think you know him him and Quinn Snyder will hit it off. And that he'll have a great season. Gordon Hayward, that was a little question mark of how much to pay him, but where else were you gonna go as far as, you know, a a backup plan? There wasn't a guy out there who could bring of what Gordon Hayward can bring to you, but it was still kind of, you know, it was a little bit iffy on me for how much that 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 they were gonna pay him. I do like the pickup of, of Trevor Booker um so I, w- I would give it a b because you know i would give him probably a, a little bit of a higher grade but then seeing these these last two pickups of D Boast and jack cooley I, I still have question marks about that I'm sh- as i'm sure you guys do but for me I, w- I would go with a b a solid b
0: yeah i mean so on talking about those guys a little bit because we haven't had the chance to talk about them on the show. You know, first of all, they're just training camp signings, right? Yeah. They, I would say that it's unlikely that either of those two guys make the team long term. I'd be pretty long-term. surprised. Yeah. Um, uh, Jack Cooley, especially given the number of power forwards that the Jazz have at this moment, I think is just training camp fodder to warm up, which which is actually kind of a bummer because there's been rumblings that he had a chance to sign like a 10-day contract last season, but because of his uh, contract obligations in Turkey last year, he couldn't actually go ahead and do that. Okay. Um. D-bossed as a D-league guy, but he performed really well in the D-league as kind of a jack-of-all-trades guy. I think he does have a legitimate chance to make the roster. I also think that he may be used as a negotiating tactic as a Jazz try to acquire a, a legitimate third-point guard. Okay. So if the Jazz were to trade for, say, like a Luke now or someone like that, a J.J. Barea, like we mentioned from Minnesota mm. on the podcast a couple of weeks ago, all of a sudden now you could... Um, you know, you could say, well, we've got debossed. We don't necessarily need to make this trade. And it only costs you $65,000, which is the reported guarantee amount for his contract. And so, those are
1: pretty much pennies.
0: Right, exactly. You know, that's that's one-tenth of a second-round pick, let's say. Yeah. So, you know, I, I think it's worthwhile for the Jazz to make those signings. But overall, I like the B grade. Um, you a Quinn Snyder fan as well?
5: I am. You know, I, I wasn't at first, you know, just because a lot of us didn't know who he really was. But after you actually talk to him, you know, when, whenever we go to practice and things like that, after talking with him, I became a huge fan.
0: Yeah, I, uh, just from my point of view, interviewing Quinn is so much easier than interviewing Ty Corbin. It really is, isn't it? Maybe just, uh, and it might just be that he's a rookie head coach, and so isn't as, it didn't have a chance to get as defensive as Ty became at the end of the uh, of his four year deal, when he's getting so much criticism from from fans and media alike. But it's just. Quinn is, seems way more willing to share what he believes, what his philosophy is, what his tactics will be, even for like a preseason game, which I know doesn't really matter. But it, it just seems like a new era of of openness for the Jazz as, as a media member that I like.
5: Well, and, and you know something I, I did like is that he was more laid, laid laid back. He wasn't so uptight as Ty was, and I think part of that was I think Ty may have had an idea towards the end of of his you know time here in Utah think he had a kind of a feeling that he might not be coming back the following season mm-hmm. and so it kind of made him a little bit more stressed out because oh hey i'm losing my job i mean just like all this would you know any regular job but quinn he comes in he knows he's got a four-year deal yeah he still has to you know provide a winning team but he knows it's not going to come right away he knows how to bring in some of these younger players and make them a better player than of what a normal coach would because he's done that throughout his career in, in the d league and in college and things like that but i think that he's more laid back and he's willing to share things with the media which is something that 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 is key to a coaching job. I know it's not, you know, a make or break, but you've got to be able to be really good with, you know, all the local media cuz then, you know, they're going to want to cover you and things like that.
1: I think that's becoming a bigger and bigger thing the, these days. You know, we're kind of talking about trends where we're at in the in the NBA. I think that having a having a coach who's personable is is a you know, and the the types of personable are obviously going to Going to vary because you know what type what type of personal is personable is a you know a Greg Popovich for example, but uh, no overall overall I definitely agree I think that sort of the and I think that that attitude as well is not it's not just a media thing that attitude is going to transfer over to the entire team as well don't you think like it's a, it's a uh, it's sort of a, a, a an all encompassing attitude that he's kind of got there as a as a more. To me, uh, uh, the, the word that I'm, I was kind of looking at is, is, is maybe passionate. I know that that's kind of a weird word to use, but that's the, even when you do the research on Quinn and you look at the, 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 the stuff in the past and everything like that, it's, what's always struck me about him is that he seems like a really, a really passionate guy who really cares about what he's doing and cares about the people involved with what he's doing. And I, I, I don't think that's irrelevant in any way. I think that's a, I think that's
0: a tangible thing with a coach. Yeah, no, I I think that's absolutely fair. And, and, you know, I think maybe we're giving Quinn too much of the benefit of the doubt just because he is that new guy. And, you know, I I look at this analytically, and I I think, you know, everyone has hope for these new first-time head coaches, the first time they come into the league. And maybe, you know, once a Jazz start losing games, I don't think it'll be all roses, right? And, And right now it is just because he doesn't have any of those black marks on his record. But that being said... You know, at least all signs are positive thus far. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Anyway, so we are supposed to have Clark Schmootz joining us from SLC Dunk. Clark has not yet called into the show. I've angrily texted him about this, the snub, because I'm sure that he's just plotting our doom right now. (laughs) Um... So instead of Clark right now, I'm going to get your grade first, Ben. Okay. Because, you know, that way we still have things to say. Um. <laughs> Thanks for putting me on the spot, Clark. I know. No, I'm sure you had something prepared, I'm sure. No,
1: oh, yeah. No, I know. I did. Okay, good. I did. Okay. My grade that I'm going to give for now is going to be a tentative B. And I'm saying tentative because, and I don't even know if I'm pronouncing it correctly, but I'm saying it because. Uh, I still believe, and this is something that we discussed, I believe, last week, or sorry, two weeks ago when we had uh, Seth Partnow on the, uh, on the podcast, we discussed the potential extensions for Burks and Cantor, and I believe that those are decisions that still need to be made, and that the dialogue and the discourse that's going to come with those is a part of the off season, and that because those haven't happened yet, we can't give it a final, final grade, but if I had to grade it for right now, I'm giving it a B+. I really like the Quinn Snyder deal. We've kind of talked about that ad nauseum already. Um I really enjoy the first two picks in the draft. I think, Andy, you and I have discussed that we weren't maybe too thrilled with the the way they did the jarnell stokes thing and especially considering the signings they've made since the jarnell stokes signing where they, they kind of they let a younger player go with sort of the reasoning of well he's not going to have very many minutes to play and we don't we, we've already got a ton of rookies we don't want to develop more rookies and then we went out and signed you know another couple of young players to bring in that maybe aren't rookies necessarily but that essentially are the same thing um, and also that the return they got for jarnell stokes was a probably a later second-round pick than where they picked him
0: and likely to be in a
1: less deep draft.
4: Yeah, you know? that's
0: that's the one move that I think is the worst move of the offseason thus far. And, mm-hmm. I, and I do, you know, Jody Guinnessy made this point on Twitter that if your worst move is a your third pick in the draft, the, mm-hmm. the second-round pick, you're doing pretty well. Yeah. But that being said, I, I still think it's lost value for the team that they could have had, and, and it kind of shows maybe... The, not my favorite mindset of the world. That you can have too many young guys. Um, that you're maybe losing some pers- your some possibility of having um, talent on your roster just in order to, I guess, have more experience. But then they also then traded for Carrick Felix yeah. in these sort of trades, and then they signed D. and You know, uh, it's one of those things that if you put together the whole offseason, it was about getting younger. Um, you know, they got rid of Richard Jefferson. They they lost Marvin Williams and instead now it's you know uh, they have a lot of young guys so for yeah. Jarnell stokes who just got a 3 year deal from memphis um was an analytic starling so therefore i loved him too um i i think it's i think it's a lost cause. I think it's a lost possibility. Yeah, I think they lost themselves a little bit of
1: value, but, but kind of the way the way Jody says it is that, that, that that's, that's true. You'd I, I'd yeah. rather have a head-scratcher for a, for a second-round draft pick trade than I would for a huge contract type of thing, which I, I guess some folks said that about Hayward. I vehemently disagree with those folks. I think that Yes if you want to go as we've discussed uh, As well if you want to go back to last Summer and say that the Jazz aired by not Taking a, a smaller offer that they had Last summer for Hayward then fine. I, I you can say that, but I'm not really about going back into the past. I'm about we're talking about this off-season and given the the circumstances on the table this off-season, I think the way they handled the Hayward situation was correct coming out vehemently right away and saying we are going to match this deal, then following through, matching the deal when the when the period was was up for it, and I like that. But my you know, my overall question and that what goes into my my larger grade is Based on expectations, so if we're starting at the end of the regular season and where the mindset was then and going into this offseason knowing that we're probably going to have a coaching change and knowing that we're going to have a, a, a high draft pick, maybe two, uh, and that we're going to have a contract situation with Hayward, relative to expectations, how much closer did this summer bring the team to its final goals than, than what was expected going in? And I, I think that there is no question that it's it's a positive. I think if we had if you had told Jazz fans the day after the regular season ended, which by the way, the Jazz fans can think back to that, it was a gloomy time. Like there, there was not a lot of happiness around Jazz yeah. Nation back then. It was it was real. There was a lot of negativity right near the end of the regular season. Go back to then and you tell the Jazz, we're going to draft Dante Exum and Rodney Hood. We're going to give we're going to extend Hayward for the max, and we're we're going to match an ex- a max extension for Hayward, and we're going to hire a smart. Young coach who's really well revered in player development and strategical circles, uh, and I think I think you'd be crazy if Jazz fans would would say they wouldn't have been really happy to yeah, hear that news.
0: I think that's a good way to look at it, and a way that I hadn't really looked at it before. Just because you know the alternative to someone like Quinn Snyder was apparently Jim Boylan was a yeah. guy, right? Like, and that scares oh. I think everybody. Oh. Oh. <laughs>
1: so much happier with Quinn. And and, and, yeah, and that was a realistic possibility, or it was raised as a realistic possibility, right? Yeah, and I mean,
0: Jody was on the show last week explaining that he was getting you know multiple sources and everything else that said Jim Boylan was the guy in the leaderboard. I mean, I, yeah. I, so that's that exceeded expectations to get Dante at number five rather than, I don't know, who, Julius Randle. Or a Noah Vonley or, or you know, exactly. something like that. Exactly, I think yeah. that exceeded expectations. So I think you're right in those sort of big-picture questions the jazz have exceeded expectations. So your goal, your grade was a B plus, tentative B plus. Okay, I'm gonna go and I'm giving up on Clark now because Aww. I haven't heard from. Which is a bummer, Clark. You're letting me down, bro. Bro, bro. Okay, <laughs> enough bro time on the show. Um, my grade is a B, which is seems like it's right in kind of the center of where we've been. We've had an A minus, we've had a C plus, right? Um. I, I like the B because, uh, you know, like you point out, Dante Exum is, to me, the biggest pick. It's the biggest move in this draft. I think may, in this offseason, sorry, maybe even the bigger than Quinn Snyder, just because I, I think players make more of a difference in the NBA than coaches do in the end. And I think oftentimes we give two coaches too much credit when things go right and too much blame when things go wrong. And Dante Exum, to me, was the second best prospect in this draft. Um And while I don't think he'll show that in year one, and he has disappointed thus far in international basketball, and I think a little bit in Summer League, too, when you look at the stats overall, it's still an exciting thing to have him with the team. He is just 19 years old. He is going to get better. Uh, You know, he shows potential to be that all-star, all-NBA caliber player like a Russell Westbrook, something like that. And I, and I think that's what the Jazz really need. And, you know, there was a lot of question marks going into the draft at number five. Can you get a superstar level player? I think Dante Exum at least has the possibility to become that, oh, yeah. which is great. Um, so to me, that's the biggest move of the offseason. Obviously, I love the Quinn Snyder thing, and I think everything's coming up good so far. That being said, like I say, you know, he hasn't had any time to actually show us how impl- he's implementing these. I was going through the triple teams, my post game recaps of the season, just so I, you know, I wrote 42 of them last season because I also wrote one for a road game in there somewhere. But, um,. There was one at the beginning of the season I was really, really hopeful f- for the Jazz's defensive resurgence, right? that mm. With Derek Favors and Enes an Kanter on the floor and kind of these young guys who are going to defend well, all of a sudden the Jazz were going to move up from the 23rd-ranked defense like they were in 2012-2013 to be something better, a, a top-level or at least above-average average. defensive team. Yeah. And inf- instead, the exact opposite happened. So I think we may be getting ahead of ourselves with how Quinn Snyder will be able to Enforce this defensive emphasis that he wants to, because uh, Ty Corbin had a defensive emphasis last season, and it completely and utterly failed. Right, and uh, I think Quint Snyder is a better coach than Ty Corbin, but just because you emphasize something doesn't mean that it'll come true.
1: Yeah, and a new coach can't change the players on the floor necessarily. Yeah, well, exactly. Not necessarily. He can't. Uh, he can. He can change the scheme that they play, and he can attempt to develop them as players. And, and he can
0: change the rotations around, but mm-hmm. in the end, he's given you know twelve to fifteen guys to work with, and. Has to play those guys. Uh, I'm not as big of a fan as the Rodney Hood pick as everybody else is, um, just because the analytics on him are terrible. Um, I Wings think it was short. ranked. I think it was ranked as like the 64th or 65th best prospect in this draft, and the Jazz drafted him at, at 20, right? So, you know, I, 23, sorry, um, but I, I, you know, that's kind of small potatoes in the end. It's the 23rd pick. I think he did show a lot in summer league, and I think he could be a helpful shooter. Just whether or not his defense can, al- can allow him to stay on the floor is a big question, I think, for his NBA career. Uh, Jarnell Stokes, I would have loved to keep, and I think he is actually a better prospect than Rodney Hood is. So, ooh, you're really high on Jarnell Stokes. I actually am. I, you know, I think he is like a Paul Millsap kind of level player. not level, but you know, someone in that same mold, an undersized power forward who can make a real difference in the league. And I think the league has shown that those players can make an impact. You know, Rodney Hood. Uh, uh, it's hard. I don't want to hate on Rodney Hood again too much before he ha- plays a regular season game, but it's I just worry because of the stats. I think it makes it less likely than everybody else has been uh, excited for him. The, there
1: far. are legitimate worries for for Hood, and the, and I think you you touched on it. The most of them are going to probably be on the defensive end. You look at the, uh, the wingspan, and you know it, we try not to put too much stock into most combine measurements for the most part, but wingspan is one where. You see most NBA players are generally going to have a wingspan three, four inches taller than their height, longer than their height, I should say. And that's that's kind of a big deal in terms of things like swiping passing lanes, things like blocking shots and having the length to defend. And Rodney Hood has the, a wingspan that's exactly equal to his height. So that's going to be a slight disadvantage for him. That's why, in a lot of people's minds, that's why his steal and block numbers come in low. And a lot in analytics, uh, steals and blocks coming from college to the NBA are a really big factor and that's part of why the analytics don't like him as much right um those are legitimate concerns and i think those are you know with any young player I, I think it's very rare of course he he'd probably be going a lot higher if he was this kind of a knockdown shooter but also was you know projected as a well above average defender right when you're that's that's why he was a 23rd pick and not a a top 10 or a top five is because there's going to be areas that you're not going to be sure about yet and this is that that's going to be uh you know one of the many big tests for the for this new uh new coaching staff and their development is seeing what they can do with that
0: yeah i i don't think there's any possibility rodney hood is a good defensive rookie next season just because rookies are never good defensively like i mean i can count on one hand in the last five years or so the number of rookies Anthony in. Davis plus defensively right like, Yeah. Well, yeah.
1: I know people who would question that but anyway so yeah, yeah
0: yeah so I mean it, it's hard and uh, you know I think that's something we have to keep in mind going into next season um the Steve Novak deal also not as big of a fan of as I think everybody else is just because I feel like everybody thinks Steve Novak is Kyle Corver and he's just not no, he's, Kyle he's Korver. not Kyle Korver. he's you know I I He's somebody who can shoot but literally has no secondary skills. So None. It's a bummer. Um, I like the Trevor Booker deal a lot. And just because of that second year unguaranteed that wasn't reported at the beginning, I think that opens up a ton of trade possibilities for the Jazz moving forward. Clark oh, hey. we Clark called in. That's lovely. Okay. you know I'm going to go ahead and interrupt what I was saying about Trevor Booker, which was critical Clark, by the way. I'm just kidding. Clark Schmutz. Clark. An uh, excellent writer for SLC Dunquid, used to do the Clark and Andy show together. Clark, thanks for joining us.
6: Oh, thanks for having me. Sorry to uh, put the show on hold, but uh just got tied up by some funny things.
0: The I show stop the show stops for you, Clark. It really does.
6: Oh I love it. There was... Thank you. That means so much to me today.
0: <laughs> there were there were fifteen minutes of dead air while we waited for for you. No <laughs> I I thank you for joining us and you know, I love having you on the show whenever possible just because of the, the joyousness that was the clark and andy show when we first started so um when i first started i should say my career It's not like we should i don't know anyway i clark give me your off-season grade as i mumble on
6: do you just want an off-season grade or do you want an explanation
0: let's start with the grade and then we'll hear the explanation
6: all right my off-season grade would be a solid b
0: okay so you yeah. you and i are on the same wavelength both gave a b go ahead and explain why
6: Let me explain, first of all, just kind of the nature of off-season grades and why the Jazz are so difficult. And um, for one reason, I think no matter what you feel about the Quinn Snyder hiring this summer, there really is no way to know what kind of coach he's going to be. Um, That's just kind of the nature of a new coach. And then also when you look at the roster, uh, we just have such a young team, but then also kind of unproven young guys. I mean, we only have two or three guys who've really gotten the roles that they'll be featured in. And so there's just so much mystery around this team. So it's kind of fair to say that, you know, some of the things that they've done, like, uh, around the team, like dra- drafting Dante Exum, for instance, I mean, that could be an A and that could be an F. I mean, let's be honest, we really just don't know. Um, and so it's just kind of hard to, to look. But um, if you just if you just look, I, I do believe the Quinn Snyder hiring was a good hire. He's the right type of coach. I don't know if he's going to do a good job or not. But um, they needed not a big name. They needed someone who would come in and have a similar vision to Dennis Lindsay, someone who would pay attention to the details. And so I think there's a lot of potential for that to be a really good hire. Um, so you like Morton that Hayward, he wasn't a big so, name? Oh, I love it. I love it. I was hoping, begging, crossing my fingers that we would get uh, just someone who needed to prove themselves and kind of work hard. You know, similarly to when Dennis Lindsay was hired, I think most people – said who? You know, who's Dennis Lindsay? But if you really knew, you knew that he had turned down several general manager positions before. And I just and one of the reasons I was glad to have Dennis Lindsay over Kevin O'Connor, no offense to Kevin O'Connor, was just that you knew he would bust his, his tail working super hard. You know, that's just kind of the nature of being in a position for a long time or just being a young up and comer who has to prove yourself. And I think that we needed a coach who had that kind of same outlook and DNA as Dennis Lindsay.
0: Cool. Okay, so how about the player moves?
6: You know, I think in hindsight you have to give them a little bit of a negative knock for the Hayward situation, how it was handled. Um, I think they could have gotten him for cheaper um, last off season, and, you know, they could have saved some money, and, and there are reasons for that. There's justifiable reasons, but you do have to just say that that probably didn't work out for the front office the way they had hoped. Um And then, you know, maybe just the lack of kind of moves. I mean, Trevor Booker signing was a fine signing that I would give a B or a B-minus probably. Um, You know, kind of it's hard to give a grade to the Dante Exum, but given the draft position of being uh, fifth and to be able to draft one of the top four guys, and to, you know, that wasn't really anything the Jazz did. You could just point that the Orlando Magic kind of gave them that opportunity, but I think you have to give that draft a high grade, at least for the potential that could be um but you know they didn't do a lot they didn't bring in really other role players and and in the long in the long you know the big scheme that's okay and i think that's going to work out for the franchise but um you know there's kind of a little bit of an activity this summer i think you could say Uh, and that's why they don't get an a but they get a solid b which is a good grade you know for you overachievers, it sounds like a bad grade, but a B is a good grade. <laughs> a grade.
1: We're, both, we're both nerds, so we're like, B, what is a B? Like
6: no. Exactly. You're like, I have a 3.9, I have a 4.7 GPA, when I, <laughs> you know whatever, with my scholarly classes. But no, a B is a solid grade, I, would, I think. Um, I, you know, the other funny thing I was thinking about with off-season grades is you have to know the alternative, right? Like, what were the Jazz offered, or what, what did they pass up, or yeah. what did they... Like, if you're grading the Warriors... I think you can give them a pretty harsh grade because you know that they could have had, you know, potentially Aaron Afallo or, or Kevin Love, and they chose Clay Thompson over him, which is just silly. But with the Jazz, I mean, you don't really know what most of the alternatives were, and so Jim Boylan. The,
1: yeah, Jim Boylan yeah, was an alternative. So a
6: so A plus. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and, and, and Cleveland Cavs, right? Yeah, uh, but uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. So looking at the alternatives, you know, it's hard to give a grade there too.
0: All right, Clark. Thanks for joining us, Clark. What's your Twitter handle? Twitter handle nowadays?
6: It's just at Clark Pojo P O J O, which is just a little word I made up when I was in the eighth grade and needed to make a username.
0: <laughs> nice, awesome. Well, thanks for joining us, Clark. Uh, you can also read his writing at SLC Dunk. Thanks again. All right. Thanks, guys. I like the the that that was kind of
1: actually a question that I was going to go to next is is depending on how much time we have is is what and that goes into the grade is what could the team have done differently what were their other options and then how do the moves that they actually made compare that we compare to what we thought the you know what the possibilities were and i think that looking at it through that lens yeah you're it, it's i think if anyone had come on and said a or a plus that was kind of like who was who said it or john said it earlier that that's like that would have i really don't think you can give this team that grade when they're still so kind of like Clark was just saying when there's so much unknown
0: yeah and there's going to be a losing record i i we're running out of time here yep. so I don't want to get into the alternatives too much but I think that it is a, a reasonable way to look at it and I kind of like how each of our different uh, contestants if you will look at it in a different light mm-hmm. S- some people looked at it as if it were the you know if you looked at from it from the beginning of the off season how happy are you now or what were the alternatives for the Jazz moving forward, and um, you know how did they do in, in light of those? So, because those are two very different questions, and I think you can also look at how the roster ended up at the end of the off season mm. and, and grade them based on that. Anyway, so it's we had one A minus, we had one B plus, we had two Bs, um, and a C plus, and a C plus. Are and we my, leaving I, any? I think we're. No, I think that's it. I, I think, think that's it. it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Maybe Trevor, what did you give again? A B. So, B. so we've got three B's. Bs. Yeah. Okay. That's the one I'm forgetting. Um still pretty I, I think that's a fair bell curve, if you will, around the letter grade B of the Utah Jazz's offseason. So yeah. anyway, as always, our last portion of the show is the crazy trade idea of the week. And this one is insane. I, I am the one who found this one, so I'm gonna shock you on yeah. the air. It's a three team deal with the Cleveland Cavaliers, the Houston Rockets, and the Utah Jazz. Jazz get LeBron? Uh, but the Jazz do receive Kyrie Irving. Oh wow! Yeah, so this is a big deal. So the three-team trade is actually pretty simple. Cleveland Caval- Cavaliers get Dwight Howard. Oh my goodness. So if you want the paint protector that Cleveland fans have kind of been waiting uh, for, there's Dwight Howard. Jazz get Kyrie Irving. Jazz would then trade Derek Favors and Dante Exum to the Rockets, and uh, Cleveland would trade Varajao as part of their deal. So they, from their deal, from their perspective, it's Kyrie and Varajao for Howard. From the Jazz's perspective, it's Favors and Exum for Kyrie Irving, and from Houston's perspective, it's Howard for Favors, Exum, and Verja. That is crazy. <laughs> it is crazy, but it's kind of cool, right? Like, so Cleveland's backcourt is terrible; it's decimated at that. But point. But their front court is so good. Yeah, <laughs> like you just whatever. LeBron we, can
1: play point guard. Yeah, it's all have good.
0: LeBron play point guard, and then you've got Howard and. And Kevin Love, which I think would be like the ideal front court that's ever, disgusting. right? Like that's... I don't even want to think about that. <laughs> uh. that. Team wins championships for the next three years. So I think Cleveland does it. Even though Kyrie's a nice player, he's young. But again, you've already made the Kevin Love deal. I think you have to kind of go in all in on this three year thing. Now, do the Jazz trade favors and Dante Exum for Kyrie Irving? I would. I think sorry, so too.
1: Sorry to Derek and Dante, but I, I would.
0: I think Kyrie Irving's a little bit overrated, but I think... I think he's, if to
1: coin a Simmons term, I think he's already become so overrated that he's now slightly underrated. But I, I, and <laughs> okay. that's, you know, I run in the, the, the... We both run in the analytic circles and things like that, and it's been so discussed. Is is Kyrie overrated as the number one pick? Can't play any defense? Can't, you know, the spot-up shooting thing, like a bunch of stuff like that. I think it's to the point now where it's like, okay, we're not recognized. This is one of the... the five best ball handlers in the league like this guy's he's a really really good basketball player and he's still really really young
0: yeah no and i think that's fair And i think you know he has a chance he he's has a chance to be a top 10 player which i don't know if any of the current jazz men do even dante exum um and then houston and and we can that's a loaded statement that i don't want to get into no um can't really even defend. And then Houston gets Derek Favors, Dante Exum, and Vergeau, which I think is, is a lot of value for Dwight Howard, but it's, it's probably the one part of the piece the, of the trade that I don't know if they necessarily make. Probably
1: not. And of course, for various reasons, none of these teams probably actually make this deal. That's, <laughs> That's why true. it's the crazy trade. But in, in a vacuum, which I love to say, it's like my favorite phrase in the world, in a vacuum, assuming that Humans don't have personalities, and that, you know, and that we don't have any emotion and things like that. It's not the it's not the craziest trade I've ever heard. I think one I had come up with a couple of weeks ago was way crazy. I don't remember what it was exactly, but it was way more ridiculous than that. Frankly, the Anthony Davis one I
0: remember yeah. you telling me about. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, th- yeah, no, I, I think it, it's a crazy trade idea, but it kind of makes sense if everybody were robots in the robot NBA, this trade might happen. Yeah, on NBA Two K, you could do that. Yeah. All right. Well, anyway, thanks again for joining us. That was a Crazy Trade Idea of the Week. Thanks to all of our guests, Laura Thompson, Clark Schmutz, John Oglesby, Trevor Allen, our producer, and Jimbo Jimbo. Rudding for joining us on the show. Uh, My name is Andy Larson here along with Ben Dowsett joining us uh, again on the Salt City Hoops podcast. Thanks again for
3: listening.